As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That was the opening verse of this weekend's gospel text. And if you will indulge me, I would like to reword the disciples' question to Jesus to address the crisis of our moment in history. Rabbi, who sinned that so many in our nation are suffering so much trauma? This virus, the isolation to prevent the virus from spreading, the shutting down of our economy, and the financial insecurity that is bringing to so many the inability to buy the things that we want, the uncertainty of when life is going to get back to normal. What did we do to deserve this? From the disciples' perspective, and indeed many of that era, the man born blind was paying the price for either his sin or the sin of an ancestor. It was a leveling out of the debt owed to God, a restoration of balance, if you will. Now, let us be clear. Jesus is not saying there are never consequences for personal sin. There most certainly are. When we knowingly pollute our air and water, we inflict all kinds of horrible illnesses on others, shorten their lives. During the current crisis, if we shop irresponsibly by (coughs) hoarding food and supplies, we are depriving others of what they need for their families, creating anxiety, fear, and perhaps for some, desperation. When one chooses to live a lifestyle contrary to human dignity, sooner or later one will reap the consequences of those choices and possibly inflict those consequences on others. Yes, sin can have personal and collective ramifications. But in this gospel text, Jesus is adamant The man born blind was not blind because of his sin or the sin of another. So the disciples' theory, their all-too-easy fallback explanation, totally crumbled. The man born blind is really about each and every one of us. His condition is ours. Now, what do I mean by that? We are fallen creatures, living in a fallen universe, awash in chaos, and bad stuff happens. And this means that normally, and most especially when confronted with stressful situations, we don't always see things as clearly as we like to think we do. Very often we will panic. In our darkness, We assume God is silent. He's punishing us, or he's given up on us, or maybe he doesn't even exist. Think of a time 
when your life was thrust into a chaotic situation, whatever its cause, and in your panic, you made some choices that looking back were not the right ones and in fact probably created more difficulties for you. Maybe you thought that God had abandoned you. Like the man born blind, we too are in need of illumination to have that interior light to perceive the truth and, this is critical, to order our lives according to the truth, no matter what kind of chaos is swirling around us. Make no mistake, this does not alter the chaos. It's not a magical talisman that chases the chaos away. No, chaos is part and parcel of being a fallen creature struggling to live in a fallen universe where things go wacky. Chaos will only be resolved when Jesus comes again. May it be today. But we do not have to allow the chaos to swallow us. It does not have to define us. We are not helpless. Illumination graces us to plow our way through the chaos and even rise above it. Now, where does this illumination come from? From Jesus, who refers to himself in verse 6 as, Ego imi photos o cosmos. I am the light of the world. And while he said that, according to the gospel text, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Now, what book of the Bible should this direct the believer to immediately? Genesis. It is critical to remember an ancient Christian maxim. Never was there a time when the Son of God was not. Let me say that again. Never was there a time when the Son of God was not. What does that mean? The Son of God was always one in being with the Father. The Son was therefore present with the Father at the creation of man. Just as the Father created light and formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so that man became a living being, so now the Son of God, who shares the divine light of his Father and is the light of the world, restores a fallen son of Adam to wholeness, using the dust of the earth mixed with the fluid of his own body, our body that he willingly shares with us. It is a sign of the divine intimacy the Holy wants with each and every human being. We see the recreation of man, the illumination of man. That the man was instructed to go and wash in the pool of Siloam and then could see, points us to the mystery of baptism that would be given to the church. And what baptism does for us, immerses us in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, immerses us in and unites us to the light of Christ, and empowers us to be children of the light, and step away from the darkness, 
The man's blindness was replaced not merely with the blessing of sight, as incredible as that may have been, but more importantly, with the grace of illumination to see the truth and the courage to act accordingly. When he was confronted a few times by the religious leaders with ever-increasing levels of hostility, he witnessed to Jesus. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing, for which he was expelled from the synagogue. When Jesus found the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He allowed his inner illumination to ask, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? The moment Jesus said, it is he who speaks to you, the man engaged in the supreme act of his restored, illumined, enlightened humanity. The gospel tells us he worshipped Jesus. The point? Enlightenment, illumination, always ends in worship regardless of whatever chaos is swirling around us. We hear nothing more about the man born blind who could now see and for a very simple reason. He is each and every one of us. And what matters is not what happened to him 2,000 years ago, but what is happening to us this moment? Are we allowing he who is the light of the world, Jesus, who enlightened us and removed our blindness in the mystery of baptism to guide our thoughts, to guide our actions, to motivate us in hope, especially in this chaotic moment in our community and our nation? Do we allow the enlightenment we were immersed in to understand that God is not silent, that he's not somewhere outside the chaos? No, God is to be found within all the chaos both a fallen world and a fallen humanity can generate, gracing us to plow through it and rise above it. I am preaching this sermon and celebrating the Holy Mass this Sunday in an empty church. It is an odd experience. And how I wish to hear the noises of squirming children right now. But I also know, because of my baptism, I am not alone. The gift of illumination assures me that the Mass is not something we do, but a mystery that Christ gives and commands us to do in memory of him, that to be authentically human, we must worship in whatever way we can. The Mass is the celebration of the whole church, those in heaven, those undergoing purification, those on earth. It is the celebration, therefore, of saints and angels, the chaos being generated by the coronavirus has no power over the truth that the Lord is present to us. 
He is not distant from us. He is not outside of everything that's going on. It is in the midst of chaos, fear, uncertainty that he is to be found and, like the man born blind, worshipped in our churches or in our homes. It is being grounded in this truth and incorporating it in our lives that we shall rise above all the chaos this disease is creating and we will emerge. Not only shall we emerge from this terrible moment, we shall be stronger. 